0: And development aid sounds so good because it's for free and debt, that China gives sounds so bad. But the opposite is true because debt means it's not for free. Money that is for free is usually spent poorly.
1: People often reject to believe what they don't understand or what scares them. With Dragonfolio China, you have the unique chance to truly understand a frequently misconceived country. And an inevitable shift in the 21st century. Just lean back and enjoy a fascinating journey through China that will astonish and reward you.
0: And we are back. Niemann how, guys, and welcome to another episode of the Dragonfolio China podcast. My name is Eric, and today I want to talk about one of the most Quoted and mentioned move about the present China in a economic and in a international context. It is frequently used. I think it is probably say the most common one after the social credit system. The social credit system I talked about in episode um, thirty three. I think that is probably the most common misconception, to be honest. But the topic today also gets a lot of attention. And this is why I'm going to first briefly explain it, and then sort of debunk it, or at least put it into a more proper context, and explain how we should actually understand and see it in today's complex world. However, before that, I want to give you another update, and today it's less about myself. In the past episodes, I did that, and you guys told me that you pretty much enjoyed that, so um, normally I will stick with that. and give you some insights about my life. I can keep that very short today because I'm still in Thailand. I'm working here on a couple of projects, which I can announce in one of the next episodes. And at least one of these projects, I think I can confidently say that it is probably the largest project or one of the most challenging that I ever undertook. So i definitely going to tell you about that, but everything at the right time. Today, I want to um, briefly discuss another thing, and that is... Um, you know, the ongoing tensions and war speculations in the world. Obviously, there is a risk of a potential war between Russia and Ukraine. I'm not an expert in this geographic area, neither on one of these countries, so I won't comment on that. But there were some people approaching me and say, hey, China probably wants a war between Russia and Ukraine, right? Because then they could simply take over Taiwan. And sorry, guys, but this is really absolutely nonsense. I understand that this is kind of what Western media, especially Anglo Saxon media, is repeatedly telling people. So I understand that people believe that, or at least they know that this is a scenario. But um, if you understand China and a bit about global geopolitics, then the scenario that If Russia attacks Ukraine, China attacks Taiwan is absolutely unrealistic. And I don't want to be disrespectful here towards Ukraine or Russia, but especially Ukraine is very unimportant on a global level. If Russia attacks Ukraine, chances are, at the end, no one really cares. Sorry, I I know this sounds very sad, but you won't have the same intervention that you will have if China was attacking Taiwan. And you can like China or not, but the government is not stupid. And they would put everything at risk that they have if they attack Taiwan without any proper preparation. And if you ask me, I think, yeah, sooner or later, China might take over Taiwan, but not in a hostile way that does not fit China. China never did anything like that in the past. And this idea or this narrative that China would simply attack because they are backed up by Russia, or they 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 know it works the if Russia attacks Ukraine, that proves that China can take over Taiwan. Come on guys, that's really shallow brained. This is so much more complex, and the consequence would be devastating because of course there would be a intervention from the u s and it simply does not make any sense. If if China attacks Taiwan, which really I don't want to imagine that, but then it's not because Russia attacked Ukraine first. Use your common sense. Don't believe everything that is told in some newspapers and don't believe every single headline that just want to sell their stuff. That's my basic point here. And um, with that... Let's start with the topic of today, and that is the so called debt trap move. So, the idea is put very simply the idea is that China is lending a lot of money to emerging countries, and in contrast, makes them dependent and is kind of exploiting them. That's the basic idea. Based on the Belt and Road Initiative, so this is a plan that China first introduced in 2013, and it got developed further and further, and China simply wants to increase their influence, they want to build up a new large economic network, mostly in Asia and Africa and also parts of Europe, which is inspired by the old Silk Road, the biggest difference being that Nowadays, it's mostly about maritime routes. So, 90% of global trade nowadays is done by cargo ships. And so, this is the big difference back to the ancient Silk Road. And China wants basically link all these ports and countries in a better way. And, of course, have more control. No doubt about that. It is made by Asians, basically for Asians. But it does not mean that other countries and continents cannot benefit from it. Some countries, they signed up more for symbolic reasons with no real obligations. Then there have been some positive examples, of so countries who participate and already got a lot of benefits and support. One good example is uh, Greece. Greece actually had a lot of support for infrastructure projects. Greece was really doing everything but well. And with some help of China, they could actually push their economy. They could fill some infrastructure gaps and this is why Greek people actually perceive Chinese support and Chinese pretty well compared to other European countries. I know this not really mentioned because it's a positive example, so it won't get a lot of attention on media, but it was really upturned for Greece and it was um especially for the for the harbour uh in, in, in Athens, Piraeus. it was really important And is a very positive example. And of course, you also have a lot of negative examples. And these usually get more attention. So this is where people say China is doing modern day colonialism. The negative examples would reach from Cambodia to Sri Lanka and Africa. I think Sri Lanka is probably the best example because it's just so easy to use. So what China did there is they build new ports and harbors, Uh, so airports and and seaports, basically, which are barely used, um, which offer apparently an excess capacity. And so this is used to basically as an example for for the whole Silk Road now, which is, I think, very misleading. First of all, if you look at Sri Lanka and I take this example, then it's important to understand that Sri Lanka was in big issues, and one reason is that actually they were loaded with a lot of debt from Western countries as well as Japan. The largest debt holder prior to this whole initiative was Japan, and even now Japan and China are pretty much on the same level when it comes to debt of Sri Lanka, important to understand. When we look at the case of Sri Lanka, what actually happened is that Sri Lanka turned to Beijing for help because they did not get any further support from other countries, but they needed some. And so China was, well, we got our resources, we got the money, why not? So they basically helped them to build up um, an infrastructure, which probably in retrospect was not really necessary in that way. But it's not like China knocked on the door and offered everything and said, hey, we need to build a port. And it's also not like China rules Sri Lanka and has, you know, put up military bases all around the island. That would fit into some narratives, but it's simply not the case. So the the funding in Sri Lanka was based on efforts of the local government. And this attracted Chinese investments with the aim to actually advance some domestic projects. This is important as a first learning. Besides that, when you look up the debt of most of these countries, whether it's um, in the Middle East, whether it's in Africa and many other places, you see that the largest investors in most places remain Japan, the US and Europe. I think except for maybe Laos, Pakistan and Kazakhstan, I think China is definitely the number one in these countries. But a lot of countries, it's still not China. China is not the biggest investor in a lot of these countries and not the biggest debt holder, important to understand. Moving away from Sri Lanka, another example that is often used is Africa because this is also very easy to use because we know that there was colonialism in the past and now the Europeans did a very good thing. They moved away. They're the good guys now and now it's China building up infrastructure, large projects. Train routes and so on. Well, let's list up where we are today. What is really happening? Western countries kind of withdrew from Africa in some way. And what they do today is they are morally good and pay development aid. Development aid sounds so awesome, right? We are giving money away for free to support the weaker states. Sounds awesome, right? If you Look up what is really happening with the money that we pay. We pay a lot. More lot of countries, my own country, Germany, we pay a lot of money for development aid in Africa. If you look up what is really happening with the money, then you see that only 10% reaches those who would really be in the need of the money. That's well documented. That's nothing I make up. You can look that up by yourself on the internet, you can read books about that. It's very well documented. Most of the money goes into private hands, and unfortunately not into private hands of the lower population, but rather to some, yeah, in the end, corrupt people to some kings. And that is because they want them to follow them, play by the rules, they want to keep them calm. They don't want any any big trouble, so let's pay the leaders of these countries, and that's, that's fine. It's not like they, they, they pay them a salary straight, they give it basically to the country without really following up on it and well guess where it will flow to what china does now is they build infrastructure mainly so they give the money kind of conditionally they would lend the money with interest so china is receiving a a payment for that so to speak but i think we all agree that africa needs infrastructure they're the fastest growing region in terms of population in the world they have a huge potential they have a huge need for a proper development coordinated well-funded and they can do this by themselves in most parts so africa is lacking of capital as well as resources and china has both so what china does is that they fund some of these projects which are absolutely needed maybe not in every single case but overall i think we all agree that africa should develop otherwise we have problems one day too because they will all come as refugees to other countries so we should have a huge interest in developing africa and development aid sounds so good because it's for free and debt that china gives sounds so bad. But it's not really the case. The opposite is true. Because debt means it's not for free. If you go to the bank and take out a loan, you think about twice how you're going to spend. Because you pay interest for that. These days not that much. But you pay interest for that. You know it's not for free. But if you win the lottery, most people what they do is they spend it excessively. And they are broke a few years afterwards. Totally different. Money that is for free is usually spent poorly. And China will not only charge, but usually this money which they give is for certain projects. They cannot simply take the money and spend it for something else, because China is, at least in this project, involved. It's not like some king can take all the money and it's gone, right? So, this is important to understand when we talk about these things and saying, oh, China is exploiting, that's capitalism. Well, it is capitalism, but it's a very sensible one. Another point that is important to understand when we talk about Africa, how disrespectful is it to just say Africa? I I use it as well. Africa is not a country. It is a continent consisting of many nations and each nation has the possibility to make their own decisions. China is not responsible to evaluate all these decisions or responsible for their, basically, decision-making process. So it is a mutual game. There are always two countries involved. China is not forcing anyone. These countries are either approaching China or they are already in common exchange and then think about okay how can we benefit from each other so this kind of debt trap diplomacy which is quoted so frequently is really an absolutely not just exaggeration it simply screws the fact china is seen as cruel creditor and all the other countries are helpless victims no guys it's not really like this these countries are Economically weaker than China. Absolutely. But they want something from China as well. And China has something to offer. It's important to understand. Don't just say, oh, they're the poor victims and China is the evil big giant. But of course, I want to briefly discuss is there something that is unmoral about China's behavior or is there something we can indeed criticize. One of the most common claim here is that China is the only one benefiting because they bring everything themselves, they exploit and they will actually win in every, in every single case. They, they get money, they get resources, they can bring companies. But as a matter of fact, China is creating a lot of jobs there, not just for themselves. Chinese companies operating there have a largely localized workforce. You can see that. When you look up the statistics, even if you um if you would see some of these documentaries, look look at the people. Most of them are locals. Usually the big boss is Chinese and some of the engineers in charge are probably also Chinese because they're better qualified. But you really think China will bring all their own workers there? There's a simple reason why they would not do that. Because they're much more expensive compared to a local worker in, in Sri Lanka or Tanzania there are statistics and these are from uh, from American institutions that that kind of made comprehensive analysis and around one thousand companies who are operating in eight African countries they uh, concluded that eighty nine percent of the employees there were African, so you see that a lot of locals actually benefit from that and it's also interesting if you if you see how do Africans perceive China? And you see that, the, that most African countries, if you ask the populations there, they perceive China quite positively. So there's a clear trend that a lot of these countries see China much more positive than back 10 or 20 years ago, whereas a lot of Western countries see China more negatively. And this is certainly not because they're so ignorant. They don't see what China is really really doing. They don't see the evil attention behind China's big plan. No. They benefit and they see what is really happening. They're not like, oh, China is the holy saint and they're just doing angels' work. No, of course not. But at the end it's the question, do I do better than before or worse? And China is changing a lot of things there for the good. A um, claim that I think is legitimate to some extent is that, of course, China is using these countries for some of their overcapacity. Because China built up a lot of infrastructure at home within the past 30 years, companies, machines, resources are available. And yeah, the truth is some of these are not needed or at least not in in the same, same extent anymore. And of course, these companies think about, okay, what's next? Why not go overseas? Why not go to other countries where they need? So of course, these these companies look for new opportunities. And some of them are in other parts of Asia and Africa. I don't know if you really can blame a country for doing that or the companies in particular. Because if there's a demand, yeah, you simply want to fulfill them if you've got the resources It's just normal to seek opportunities outside of your own borders. So I don't see a very big issue here as well. The question is, why do we actually put China in such a bad light in this case? Why do we come up with this modern-day colonialism? One reason certainly is that we want to put some focus away from the past, what we did in some of these places, A lot of European countries within the past 200, 300, maybe 400 years have damaged a lot of countries in the world, have exploited them, have made huge profits at the expense of other countries. This is over for the most part, because we withdrew from these countries. It's still going on in some way, actually, especially in agriculture and so on, more in an indirect way. But it's so simple to say, you know, these days we are the good ones and China is the bad ones. So I think one is definitely that we want to shift focus away from our own miserable things that we did and say, OK, the new evil guys are now China and yeah, some other countries, I guess. Right. And the other one is or the other. The other reason is that we are simply very afraid of what China is doing, because with the whole Belt and Road Initiative, There are, of course, fears that China is increasing its influence. The Belt and Road Initiative is not really a well-planned, comprehensive strategy yet. There is no real concrete master plan. A lot of the things that China does, economic activities, expanding, lending money, it's more like an experiment. China is trying to find ways, certainly to increase its influence, certainly to increase investments and to have a larger contribution in global trade and to strengthen their geopolitical position, especially with neighbor countries, but also further away in Africa, in West Asia. But the whole, whole idea is not one sophisticated plan and then China will take over the world. Not really. The situation is far more complex, but of course it's easy to say that China is using debt to rule the world that's so easy and simply put but it's not that easy in real world so this narrative of the debt trap is often very misleading for China it is really more a learning process and they have to continuously make adjustments because I think China also would acknowledge that they did big mistakes here where they have this advantage for themselves because. If these countries cannot pay back some of their debt, then China also has some credit issues, especially with the banks. And it's not that they simply can say, okay, if you cannot pay back the debt, then please just give me your port or country. It's it's not that easy in every single case. And also for for China, it's certainly risky. And I think there will be more caution in the future, who they lend money to, how they do it. I'm very sure that China will come up with more sophisticated strategies, that they also draw their conclusions, that they will be more, let's say, picky on where they really want to invest, and that they will quickly withdraw where they know they can win, and that they are more strategically operating and make smart investments rather than investing everywhere. It is quite natural and common that powerful countries want to develop other countries in their own interest. Everyone does that. It's not like the U.S. is not investing in other countries and try to develop them. Of course, they would be more active in Latin America, for instance, or in other parts of Asia, uh, or in the Middle East, some countries, at least they they try to. But they do it often more with uh, private capital in a lot of countries, especially in Latin America. So it's more like companies operating whereas what China does is more government-controlled, and a lot of this money comes actually from large Chinese banks. So they fund these mega-projects, and they use debt and get interest in return. And American companies tend to take equity risks rather than debt risks. That's more a, yeah, you can almost say a cultural thing. Not that obvious for some people, but it's not like, American companies, same with European companies, let's take Nestle, Nestle, Switzerland, oh my god, I mean, they invest in in Africa like crazy, and of course, this is, people know that, it's not a, it's not like nobody knows about that, and there are a lot of projects that are more than questionable, and a lot of behaviors that are more than, more than valuable, what they do, and and most likely to be um, very unmoral. So it's it's just that in this case it's more like these private companies, whereas China uses banks or at least state-owned companies for that. So that's why it's also a bit easier for for some for some media to put this narrative that one is China and in the other case it's just some private companies, some global players, right? That's another important distinction that I want to kind of mention here. All right, um, yeah, let's just uh, briefly summarize it. So. For me, the so-called Chinese debt trap diplomacy is really a myth. It is more about social and economic needs of different countries, including China. China wants to increase its influence. They have overcapacity of resources and capital, and they want to make use of that. It is, to my mind, much more transparent because it's very obvious what China does. They're not really hiding it. It's very Transparent what is happening, and they simply say, Yeah, we want to invest and we want to have some returns on that. That is absolutely legitimate, I believe. And on the other side, you got countries who are in the need of all of these elements, resources, who need to develop. They are independent countries, both in decision making and also afterwards. They stay in control. That's important to understand. China is not ruling these countries. China is not sending people there to rule, steer, control these countries. Do they have more influence afterwards? Probably yes. But it's not like China is putting up big palaces there for themselves and is putting up a new big colonial empire in Africa or in parts of Asia. That's simply not the case. That is important to understand. Be realistic. And that is what I kind of tried to say earlier also with this war scenarios when you read all these things repeatedly 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 these narratives sometimes think twice is it really that simple usually it's a bit more complex usually there's more behind that and we should always at least be aware that there are two sides of the coin often the truth is somewhere in between but it is not always. As easy and as clear as it might seem in the first place.
1: Thanks for listening to the Dragonfolio China Podcast. As you've kept listening until now, I assume you enjoyed the show and would appreciate a five-star rating on your podcast app, which allows other folks to learn about this important topic as well. For more fascinating insights into China and for easy ways to benefit, make sure to visit the website at dragonfolio.net.